everyone. Welcome in to the Non-Negotiables podcast. I'm Gavin. I'm here tonight with Pass. How are you doing, Pass? Evening, Gav. And Josh, how are you doing? Good, Gav. Good, good. Well, we had a great weekend. Um, another win, comfortable win, one of the most comfortable one new wins we've seen. So we're going to get stuck into that in a minute. But first of all, I figured we'd play a little game. You guys down for that? Yep. Sure. All right. So we're playing Everton on Wednesday night. So what I figured I'd do, I'd get a player that's played for both of us. I'll give you his career path. And at the end of the show, you're going to tell me who it is. All right. You ready? Sounds good. Yep. Okay. So he started his career at IF Bromopoikana. He then moved to Ogri, then to Young Boys, then to Cremonese. He then moved to Arsenal, where he played 96 league games. He then moved to Everton, where he played 66 league games, and then had short spells at Birmingham, AIK, the Colorado Rapids, Jaw Gardens, and then finished his career back at his first club, Bromma Poikana. So have you got any idea who it is so far, guys? Uh, yeah, I do. <laughs> you know who it is? Yeah. All I right. Do. Well, let's wait to the end and see if you get it right then. Well, I think I do. <laughs> good stuff we'll play along at home as well i'm going to post it on the twitter and the uh, instagram so just leave in the comments if you uh if you know it is and we'll we'll uh if it goes down well we'll make it a regular feature so all right so we are still two points clear at the top of the league with a game in hand comfortable win on saturday probably the most comfortable one nil like i was saying i've seen in a long while we basically had all the ball mm. had one shot on goal from 25 yards that went wide. What do you think, Pass? How do you think we played? Yeah, I thought we were very good. Um, I um, Obviously, we started with Trossard uh, in the middle. I was getting a bit confused, actually. I was thinking, is he in the middle? Is Martinelli in the middle? But then they, I just saw that he was the main player in the middle, but they just alternated a few times. Obviously, when we get to the goal, that was a prime example of that. Um they, uh, I thought we um, we controlled the game. I think you said it all there, really. Controlled the game, um, reduced them down to just one shot throughout the whole match. Um, you know, we it's inevitable we're going to get jittery. Uh, we're going to get jitters towards the end of the game, especially when you're only one nil up. No matter how dominant you are, the fact that we only reduced it to that one shot by um, Dewsbury Hall, I think it was. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, just showed you. I, I, I was really impressed at the, um, uh, not only our, our endeavour to have possession and attacking endeavour, but also, which was very notable, was how well we tracked back when they when they tried to hit us on the counter-attack. I mean, we, if they, I think Iheanacho had the ball a few times, it looked like they, they had a chance, just one moment lapse in concentration by him and suddenly you had five, six Arsenal players already caught up. Um, so I thought there was a real cohesion in the way that we tracked back. I thought Trossard looked really good. For me, he looked good. I, I I liked how he was. He's very, I think he brought, as you saw in the second half, Martinelli in the game a lot more. Um, he's not rigid in terms of just playing the centre forward. He'll alternate, which is kind of what we're looking for to get the best out of Martinelli. Um, so yeah, I was I I was really uh, impressed with us. I, I think the only thing was is I thought we should have had more goals, but um, but to go there, I, I said this to you before the game. I'm not saying this is uh, anything. Take away our win or opposition, but I do think they miss Madison immensely. 
Uh, I think there's no coincidence that when he's out of the team, um, they really don't have any threat in terms of creation, in terms of free kicks, in terms of any form of endeavour. Uh, you know, you saw it in the first half against United and he was in that game and I think he pulls the strings um, and he's a big loss to them. But nevertheless, whether he's there, whether he's not, we we went in and did our job. Uh, so I was really, really happy with that. I think it was definitely a boost when Madison wasn't on the uh, team sheet. I mean, we'd mm. spoken about it last week about Madison and would he be a fit for us? I mean, I do think he's a he's a quality player for sure. Just we had mm. some pretty good performances out there. I thought overall it was a good performance without being a great performance, but it was very controlled and we were we just strangled the life out of them. And the two center halves, that was probably the best Saliba's been, I would say, past uh just since the World Cup, right? Oh yeah, I would say so. He had a a, a really good game, really solid. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, I, but yeah, I agree. He, <laughs> yeah, he had a great game, and that partnership with with uh, Gabrielle is just looking better all the time. Yeah, Gabrielle was was excellent as well. I thought the the backline was the backline was superb all day, and we really didn't we really didn't miss Partey too much. Um, I do think sometimes Jorginho looks like he's running through treacle. I think he's a player that I'm probably never going to warm to. Um, I have to say, just he's, I just don't I think like that's been style. pretty obvious, Gav. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> I just don't like his style of play, to be quite honest with you. He's just, I, I know, I know. He's the it, slowest it player that I've ever seen. He is slow. Some of his stuff on the ball, he's fine. But he makes Mertesacker look like Theo Walcott. And there was a yeah. few times when the ball went in, particularly over towards Ben White. And watching him run was just just painful. So I I don't know, but we didn't we didn't miss part, and he did he, he set the tempo well. He, he misplaced a few passes early, but he definitely got into the game after he played a couple of superb passes. Actually, he played a brilliant one inside for Saka at one point that was that was excellent. Yeah, just with the Trossard um, and Ketia thing, we really didn't expect to see it. I did hear that Enketia might have been carrying a little knock. I don't know how true that is or not. Do you think it worked? Yeah, I do. I do. I think it went uh, pretty well. Um, he's more similar to the way Jesus plays that position for us, I think, uh, especially with like the alternating and bringing Martinelli into the game more. But I thought he looked dangerous. And I think it's um, it's great to, to know that we've got a decent option there to uh, either, you know, do something different to uh, Eddie or, you know, just if it's a better setup against, you know, future opponents. So I think it's a, you know, it, it was a nice uh, like trial and I think it worked pretty successfully. Yeah. And Odegaard was playing further forward as well. And I, I don't know if this was a consequence of just how much of the ball and how much of a stranglehold we had on the game, but Odegaard was basically playing as the right-sided forward and Trossard as the left-sided forward. Did you, did you notice that? And do you think that that was an intentional ploy for before the game? Or do you think that was just game state and we just happened to be always in their half? I think it was more game state. Um, personally, you know, uh, I think Saka was a little bit more wide and looking for those passes to like come inside more. And I think just naturally Odegaard filled that position a little bit more. Um, but I mean, you know, it, it's very possible it was tactics, but I, I didn't really see it that way. Uh, hadn't really thought about it, honestly, until you asked me the question. Pass, you watched the Leicester United game last week and Leicester went 
at United. And it's okay saying they were pulled apart on the brave stuff, but really United did all that damage in the second half. It wasn't the first half when Leicester were on top, but they really didn't try and go at us at all, did they? No, they they were they were really passive. I was um I, I think we had talked about that a few times um throughout the game. They were very passive, um scared in some ways. But I you know, I um I thought they would be a little bit even without Madison, I thought there'd be some endeavor. I mean, you know, um when we played them going back many, many years ago, but when we played them at um was it Filbert Street in ninety seven? Yep. Um, I mean, they didn't, they had like Heskey and stuff like that, but they didn't really have incredibly, maybe muzzy, is it you could say, but again, it was, it was a team full of hard workers and uh, we were far better as an outfit than them. Um, but they, they still gave it a go. I didn't really see that. I didn't see any intensity from them. I didn't see them trying to um, at least force. So I think that, that you could tell that just by how quiet it was there. The fans were not really, um into it just heard arsenal fans most of the game so i think even they were kind of surprised by how little endeavor they had um so it just played into our hands um i i thought that it would be a, a little bit more open than that because i thought they would try and attack us um they still had barnes there they did that their tillemans on the bench i thought probably that would have been a good idea for them to have played him at least because they would have had something to create but um but yeah, yeah, surprisingly quiet, surprisingly um, passive. And um, I think the stats back that up completely. It's one of those where what you see is what you also see in the stats. It's just one-sided game. It was like a training match. Yeah, it was. We we didn't do anything special, but we didn't need to do anything special. No. And that was a that was a big part of it. And it just it felt comfortable the whole way through. There wasn't any point where I felt we were we were going to be threatened. Ramsdale basically had nothing to do. I think he probably took two goal kicks all game. That was that was about it. So mm-hmm. it was a good win. It was an important win because we thought that Man City would probably win later on. And within 25 minutes, you knew that they were going to win. Yeah. Um, so it was important to keep that going because Wednesday night, Big game coming up, got to get there. But we, you know, we had to make sure that we were still in a position to build that lead. And we did. We did exactly what we what we want to do. It was it was very professional. Let's come on to the you know what? No, let's do the goal first. So we come out at half time and we've I saw a stat today that we've actually been the most dangerous team in the Premier League in that first five minutes after half time. And obviously we've been mm. starting well. So it's obviously something that we try and do. Pass. We came out and straight away we were on them, and it was a beautiful bit of control from Trossard and a great touch and pass through the legs for Martinelli, and then a cracking finish. Yeah, it was it was it was sublime to watch. Um, I think um, that was where we saw the interchange in between Martinelli and Trossard. Because um, Martinelli, for the first half, I think we'd already said, was not particularly impressive at all. In fact, I thought he was really bad. Um, but the second half, obviously something had been said, I would assume, because straight off the blocks we were in there. And um, it was a great take um, and just a wonderful nutmeg. And then he's straight onto it, Martinelli. Perfect finish. Thierry Henry-esque. Um, and, uh, yeah, a bit of a scare after that as well, um, thinking that he might have done his knee in. 
But once I saw there was contact on it, it looked like it was just an impact. Um, but it was, yeah, fantastic start. I was, um, it was, I was more than happy with that after obviously what we saw in the first half when we had one chalked off. Yeah, it was very, very scary when he went down because I, I didn't see the yeah. contact at first because of the way the camera panned mm. around. And when you saw the players lean over him and Shaka screaming for the physio to come on, my first thought is, oh my God, it's an ACL. And, you know, we've been here before with, mm. with Martinelli and I'm thinking, Jesus mm. Christ, the kid's 20, 21, 22 and he's going to, you know, he's looking at a second serious injury. But luckily he just got yeah. his knee trodden on, which is painful, but it's one of them that's painful for a, uh, painful for a few minutes rather than something that's going to put you out for months. So that was definitely uh, definitely a relief. We're going to have to talk about VARs. There's no <laughs> choice in the matter. And to be honest, I know people don't like talking about referees, but first, I don't mind doing it after we've won. I don't like doing it after we've lost because people say, oh, you're just doing it because of that. I, I don't mm -hmm. mind doing it after we've won because... At the end of the day, it didn't affect the it didn't affect the result. We could have had a couple more goals um, if it wasn't for VAR. And there were three real big points, so let's go through them one by one. Just the first one, the Trossard goal that got chalked off. It probably was a foul on Ward, but first off, I want to know why the goalkeeper's got his arms down there anyway. That is not how. It, mind you, I'm not sure he's a professional goalkeeper, but. A goalkeeper should not be standing there with his arms down by his side in the six-yard box waiting for a corner to come in. It's ridiculous. It was, let's call it soft, wasn't it? It was one of those that, uh, you know, the the first time like watching it live, I was uh, I was borderline furious because I, you know, it, the contact looked so minimal, and um, you know, it was the the reverse angle kind of behind the goal that uh, you could see. Uh, some contact with Ben White, maybe uh, maybe holding his his arm down a little bit. But you know, I, I mean, I agree with you. You know, why are his arms that low for Ben White? It it just felt almost like you know fishing for it. And uh, I don't think Ben White was pulling on him or anything like that. So yeah, I'd say it's soft. And and is that really what VAR is for? You know, we did, I I'm just not sure how much it affected the actual play. And then when we scored, they always like to talk about phases and this and that. It had been cleared and it came down for Shaka and then he found Trossard. And it's a, it's a different phase, if you'd like. I, I I mean, I don't know how far they go back and check, but it, it just seemed a bit ridiculous to me. And it was a great goal, wasn't it? Like to, to, to lose that goal. Yeah, brilliant goal. You know, and I feel like even just for, you know, the fans that were there and stuff like that really, really robbed of a moment, um, if nothing else. But yeah, great goal. Well, that's what VAR does. I mean, it just robs you of it robs you of moments, and it's yeah the idea that you can't celebrate a goal for three minutes afterwards because you don't know if it's going to be allowed or not. I mean, for anybody that watches games in stadiums, it's VAR is a disaster for anybody. But if you're in a stadium, it's even worse. I was actually at uh, a game two years ago, Orlando against Montreal, and there was a goal in the last minute, and we all left the stadium not knowing if that goal had counted or not. We didn't know the score when we left the stadium because it took five minutes to sort it out and we did not know if the guy... It ended up counting, but we didn't know that at the time. So when we left the stadium, we didn't know if it finished 2-2 or 3-2 because there was it was basically... It was the last kick of the game and we had no clue what was going on. It was crazy. Yeah, it really kills the mood, you know? It, it does. It absolutely does. So let's skip from that one to the Saka penalty appeal. Now, 
considering that it's a foul for hooking somebody's arm, how is it not a foul grabbing someone around the waist and dragging them down, Pass? Yeah, it's this is the part which I think is another aspect of VR which infuriates people because you um, you firstly can debate whether or not the other one should have been chalked off. But if you're going to go down the road and say it should have been, then why on earth is this one not a penalty? Uh, and it's this stupid mentality where the goalkeeper, because that was on the goalkeeper, somehow that has a more weight than when it's on the attacker. But of course it was Bukayo Saka as well. So, you know, you've got to factor that in, you know. So it's, um, it, I, I just, I'm just exasperated by it. I have no idea. If you're going to make a president on something, you keep that consistency, but they don't know what that means. These guys are just making it up. It's how it seems to me. It's so subjective now. They're making it up as and when they see it. I don't think it was even... Was it even looked at by VAR? I have no bloody idea if they even looked at it. They didn't refer the ref to it, that's for sure. But I, I don't even know if they even bothered. It was just they made such an intent to rule out the other one. They went above and beyond. They got their camera angle. Fair enough. The guy uh, has his arm. I mean, why he doesn't withdraw his arm? It wasn't as if Ben White was holding it there, like, locked in. He could have withdrawn his arm. I just think he's a shit goalkeeper, and it was an easy way to get himself out of just being a shit goalkeeper but then the other one just infuri that's what really infuriates people it's that inconsistency oh. and um yeah i have no idea man i i really would love these idiots to just stand up and explain certain decisions because we never get an idea of why things are ruled out why they are overturned what happens here They've they've not given that. I don't know how that cannot be given as a penalty especially after what we just saw minutes before that well, I, I think my personal opinion is this is going to be apology number three. <laughs> so we, we're going to extend our lead at the top of the apology table. Dermot they probably Gallagher's won't, though, because we well, won that game. Dermot Gallagher's already yeah. come out and said it should have been a penalty. Um, yeah, I mean, that's I, saying I, something, isn't it? I mean, and, and it was, and again, I don't really care about this, but it, it probably was a red card too, right? Because he, he, he was right in front of goal. Yeah. He wasn't trying to play the ball. I mean, we all remember the David Luiz one at Wolves a couple of years ago when he studs accidentally mm -hmm. brushed against the forward and that was that's probably the most ridiculous VR decision I've ever seen. But yeah. this one was this one was just I mean it's just negligence. Um so now let's go to VAR decision number three, the disallowed Saka goal. I've watched it back like three times. Funnily enough it wasn't on any of the highlights packages. I don't know if you noticed this or not, but my brother said that they didn't show it on match of the day in England. Um, I didn't watch match day, so I don't know that for sure. But I just watched an extended highlights on YouTube and it wasn't on there either. But I've watched that back a couple of times and I still can't tell you that that was offside. I can't tell you it was on, but I can't tell you it was off either. And from the replays that we got on the TV here, once again, there were no lines drawn. You think they just forgot, Jazz? Yeah, that's becoming uh, pretty suspicious. Um <laughs> <laughs> I um I agree though I I watched uh, the extended highlights I always try to uh, right before we jump on the pod so you know my mind is fresh on it and uh, yeah I I didn't see that um I've even just run it back through here and I I didn't see that so that's also uh, pretty odd considering you know how they could do that to us within what three game weeks 
twice refused to draw the line and and be certain that it's offside enough to to take the goal off is um you know like i mean pause just hit on it it's, it's the inconsistency i think that makes me more upset than the incompetence and it cost me eight fpl points so i'm not pleased about that <laughs> <laughs> but, well, there is consistent. Just there is consistency in one thing. It's the incompetence. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Consistent, there is consistency in incompetence. Right? <laughs> yeah. Consistency in inconsistency. Consistency in incompetence. It's just. Yeah. It's every week, man. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it With is. us, it's every week as well. And it's it's maddening. It it really is maddening. You've chalked off. We that could easily have been a three nil game, and I don't think anyone could have complained if it was a three nil game because it it kind of looks like a three nil game. But as it is, it's a one nil game, and and you know, and at the end of the day, like I said, we won, so I don't care. Have a moan up, whatever. It, it doesn't change anything. At the end of the day, we're not going to be above City on goal difference. It's it's not gonna it's not going to change anything. With that anyway, I don't care that Man City scored four at Bournemouth, whatever. We need to win it on points, not goal difference. So I'm not I'm not that fussed about the fact that it was one new instead of three. It, it's just maddening that them decisions and you know, and them decisions do cost you games. They they cost us two points against against Brentford. So they yep. do cost you games, them decisions. And I yeah. I think we do have to keep talking about it because what we don't want to do is just say, Well, yeah, that's what happens against us. Because I think we've done that in the past. We've just accepted that it's, you know, we accept that Harry Kane's getting a penalty against us, right? We, we just accept mm -hmm. it. And I think you you can't do that. You've got to be more vocal. And that's the only way anyone ever realises it. And I, I know Arteta doesn't like coming out and talking about the Saka stuff, but I'm glad that other people are picking up on it because that is how... The referees read newspapers. They absolutely read newspapers. They absolutely watch TV. So the more it gets in their head, the more chance you've got of getting it, of getting it put right. I, I just, I don't really know what to say at this point. It's just yet more incompetence. So let's move off of this now because it makes me angry. Um, did anyone notice the little spat between Gabriel and Saliva at the end? I, I've only seen it afterwards. It doesn't look like I didn't know that much. Have, know. have you seen it since? I, I haven't. No, I haven't actually. Um, I just saw stills, but yeah, I don't know. That doesn't really tell think me it much. Was, yeah, I don't think it was anything. It's, it's Gabriel being what Gabriel is, just you know, very much an emotional kind of dude. And uh, I don't mind it though. I don't mind yeah. it, especially oh, when we're winning. Not. We won the game. We won yeah. the game. So it just shows you there isn't this kind of sore loser mentality. It's like we want to be perfect. We yeah. want to make sure yeah. everything's good. Well, yeah, I always it's, like it's it when good. my goalkeeper gets angry when he concedes a goal, even if you're five nil up. I don't want yeah. my goalkeeper being pleased going yeah. five one. Ramsdale you know I mean? like, like that. You can yeah, see he, Ramsdale never, never wants to lose a clean sheet. Yeah, absolutely, and that that's that stuff's important. It, it uh -huh. is, yeah. it is important. And they were, like I said earlier on, Gabriel and Saliba. I thought were both. I thought Gabriel was probably man of the match, but Gabriel, yeah, I mean, was maybe excellent. Zinchenko, but Gabriel and Saliba, I thought were absolutely outstanding at the back. Definitely Saliba's best game. And that partnership is that partnership's coming on leaps and bounds, and we're gonna we're gonna need them to play their way into form, aren't we? Um, mm. it, you know they're they're gonna be needed. So let's talk a little bit about something not related to the game. So I had a conversation with someone on Arsenal America. I think they posted on there that um, that clubs are using. Arteta and Arsenal as a model 
for what they are trying to do. And it got me thinking a little bit because I think what's happened with us is kind of unique, right? We lost a legacy manager. We brought in all these people that that just didn't work. You know, Sanlehi was there and 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 um and Mislin's hat was there and Mislin's hat gets the boot. Sanlehi soaks up all the power and then he gets caught with his hand in the cookie jar. So Edu takes the power and Arteta's in there as coach and then he gets promoted to manager. So you had all that uncertainty go on. And then you have the absolutely remarkable stuff with the contracts, with Aubameyang, with Mustafi, with Ozil, where you just pay them off. There's more to this, right, than just, oh, they gave Arteta time. Judge, it's not something that you can just replicate, right? No, I don't think so. Um, I think one of the reasons, you know, the the club was uh, uh, lenient, um, you know, at least forgiving of some of the results and gave Mikel time, I think is is obvious that, you know, he's had a plan from the beginning, laid this out, knew exactly what he wanted to do and where he wanted the team to be. And I think, you know, guys like Edu and whatnot, they, they, they got behind that. Um, I don't think it can be replicated though. I know uh, a lot of the conversation right now is um, about Potter, but um, I just think it's, it's really different situations and in Arsenal, the the club had to make a lot of sacrifices, like you said, paying, paying players off to go. And I just don't see that, that being an option really for Chelsea. No. And Arteta, one of the reasons that Arteta got time too, is that he's a rookie manager. So if you were going to hire a rookie manager, you expect rookie mistakes. As it happens, he hasn't made that many of them. He had a couple of iffy years, but he's come out of it and we're better for it. But pass, it's not always the case of you just give a manager time, right? It isn't always the case. I think with um, with Potter as well, I guess there's going to be a lot of question marks about, I, I don't know the ins and outs. I, I don't really care for that team, but um, there has to be, there's question marks about how much involvement he had with the transfers that have come in, that half a billion that they've spent. Uh, was there involvement from him? Did he have any say at all? Um, I think in our case, um, there was, like you said, there was a lot of... Um, Prior to Arteta's arrival, there was a lot of activities that were going on that were not in the interest of the club. Um, and uh, Sanye obviously being a, a prime example of that. And I think um, when Arteta came in, there was a lot. Yes, he was a rookie manager, but there was a lot of faith put in him and about what can be done. And I'm, we know that he's had a big say in a lot of the transfers that have come in. He's had a massive say in it. Um, so I think he's also in a more elevated position. I don't think you can compare the two at all. Just because one has hired a manager that is relatively inexperienced, he's managed Brighton primarily in the Premier League, hasn't won anything with them, but is someone that they think, yes, for the future as a young manager, that doesn't mean it's parallels with what Arsenal are doing at all. It's also about the circumstances, what has happened, what what made Arteta arrive at that position. Um, what was the involvement with transfers? How much say has he had? I, I don't think you can compare the two at all. No, I also agree. youth development, youth development. Arteta, yeah, it could have been by accident, but we've also been lucky to have youth development and concentration on youth as well. 
he's been had a hand in that as well with, with what's been going on at the club. I don't see that at Chelsea at all. But this was the point I was going to make. When you mm. talk about one of the buzzwords in football at the minute, it's always project, projects, right? Right. This is yeah. the project. This is the project. Process. We did have a clear project, a clear process. We were, mm. we'd obviously, they decided between them that they were going to try and go a little bit younger, do the rebuild. They were going to get rid of people like Aubameyang, like Ozil. They were going to pay them off and get them to go. And that's something you've got to really commit to. What Chelsea are doing is nothing like a project like that. They're literally no. going out and haphazardly throwing money at everything that moves yeah. and then hoping something sticks. But back to the to the previous point with the project and the way it is, I just don't see it being replicated anywhere. Just to finish off, just can you imagine like Liverpool paying off Ox and Naby Keita just paying them to go away? Like it's just not going to happen, right? Yeah, that definitely feels like something um, more unique that that Arsenal did, you know, uh, recognized mistakes and and took care of it. Um, well, it and, could have also gone wrong. Like, this is the thing. We're being held up oh, as yeah. an example right now because it's gone right. Mm-hmm. But it could have gone wrong. We paid off all them senior pros and put a lot of faith in a lot of younger players. That could go wrong. Like, it, we've, we've really, really, Arteta's done a brilliant job but there is a bit of luck in there as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I mean, not just young players, but you know, youngest coach as well. Uh, it was a big gamble, but you know, like like you just said, there 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 seemed to be a vision and a project, and they committed to it, and you know, it, it did work out. Um, but again, that that's going back to your original question of why it really can't be replicated. You know, I mean, there is there is luck involved there for sure. Yeah, and it does seem that it's kind of almost there was the old lazy journalism thing, right? Arsenal were uh, Arsenal were a defensive midfielder away. The the old lazy journalism of people who don't watch mm. every week and they just re- they just regurgitate the same stuff. And most of this stuff that I've seen seems just to be linked to giving a manager time. Arsenal are not the first club to give a manager time. You know that that's happened throughout history. That that isn't that that isn't the only the only thing here. Um, and it seems to all be related to that. And it, it, giving a manager time isn't always the right thing to do. If we'd have given Emery another two years, we wouldn't have been in this position now. So sometimes you've got to make that change. I think uh, one thing that's really interesting about um, Arteta and kind of the what I would consider the hard line of when you give a manager more time or you sack him, Arteta never lost the dressing room. Yes, that's yeah. true. The players always backed him uh, publicly, you know, we, we assume privately, of course, um, but he never lost the dressing room. And I think as long as the, the, the manager, you know, holds the respect of the team and is still getting them to work, you know, that's, that's a sign you can give him more time. But, you know, looking at what's going on with Chelsea... You know, he was it, also he was not also given the you know he wasn't given the financial resources off the bat either was he because he came in I think uh, just before the January window. Um, so he, yeah, it's he, not he, like we he, went out and spent five hundred million on players. No, yeah. no, he had you know Socrates and these guys at the back to deal with. So it was always um, it was always something that was going to need a little bit of time, and we won the FA Cup in the first six months. So I think people saw there was something in this manager that yeah. warranted giving time and there was something you know ahead to yeah. look forward to i would agree all right well let's let end the first half there and we'll be back uh we'll be back after the break
Welcome back to the Non-Negotiable Podcast. So let's look forward to Wednesday night, our game in hand, the one we've been looking forward to for a while. A um, bit of revenge on Everton and play this game in hand that's been hanging over us. And, you know, we're, we've been using it as kind of a stick to beat everyone off. We've still got the game in hand. We've still got the game in hand. Well, Thursday morning, we won't have the game in hand. So let's hope we've got three points, three points instead. Um, so, Juz, there's a bit of a revenge mission going on here, isn't there? Well, I sure hope so. <laughs> this one, um, I'm I'm actually a, a little more um, nervous about this one, and um, you know, I can't really tell you why. Maybe it's just a feeling. You know, the record uh against you know Sean Dyche teams is has has not been uh, kind for Arteta so far, and um, but yeah, I definitely hope there's some revenge going on. Yeah, I'd, I'd, it'd be really nice to smash them and just put this put this run to bed. Pass. Do you think? Um, do you think we're gonna be going in with Trossard up front again, or do you think Nketiah comes back in? I think Trossard stays. I think um, they want to kind of bring out the centre-forwards for um, for Everton to try and cause that confusion a bit. And I think you can get that with Trossard because he's he's interchangeable with Martinelli in some respects. So I, I, I wouldn't see any reason to change it. Um, I'm also debating, I don't know if you guys are the same, but I'm debating whether that was a tactic of Arteta to rest in Ketia or actually whether it was just to play Trossard because he wanted to change it up. Um, I think it is, it's more the latter. So um, I, I think he stays. I think he stays. I think he played well and I think he will cause them some problems because he's so mobile and and can move out and then move in. And uh, so, yeah, I, I would think he's he's going to still be in. He's, I mean, he's been good every time he's played for us, really. I mean, he, he didn't have his greatest game last week, actually, but he's he's been, for the most part, he's been good every time he's played for us. And it's, you know, mm. he's done nothing to lose his place. Eddie he's was tricky. Yeah, and Eddie was obviously on a little bit of a barren run. I think yeah. he needed mm. to come out of the firing line. And 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 we've got options now, which we which we haven't had before. It, it wouldn't surprise me if Eddie starts, but it wouldn't surprise me if Trossard starts. And I, you yeah. know, and, and I'm comfortable either way. Jazz, it's not like it's not like you're you're sitting there and screaming one has to start, right? Yeah, I think it's pretty close. Um, and they they give you different things. Um, I'm with pause though. I I I think uh, it'll be Trossard's, you know, at least one more time and. You know the the biggest thing for me is just uh, you know how 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 much more he brings Martinelli into the game, uh, you know. So it's it's kind of a a whole front line level razor, you know, as opposed to you know just relying on like Eddie's goals, for instance. And I also uh, you know remembering back uh, the the last Everton game just from you know a couple weeks ago, Eddie was uh, uh, you know pretty neutralized, pretty pretty neutered there and i think yeah let's be fair he had a stinker yeah yeah uh just trying to be diplomatic <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i think i think trossard's the better option yeah it's an interesting one i can see why that would be that would be arteta's preferred option if that's the way he goes because like you said bringing martinelli in and i think we we played that system up there where martinelli and saka played incredibly wide they they just didn't come off of the touchline, and I didn't like it at the time. I thought it was weird, but he he saw something there to do that, right? Like he he doesn't just do something for no reason. So he saw something that he wanted to keep out, keep that field stretched. I don't know if it was he thought that it would be better to drag the uh, just drag the centre backs out wide or whatever. But if you're going to play that system, having someone like Trossard inside, where he can act as more of a link, 
if you're going to try and keep your wide players that wide, that probably works better past, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it does. Uh, because then you 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 can bring out the centre forwards because you want to open the gaps so that yeah, they can you, sneak in. And you, you're not creating... You know, one of the big things at Everton was just the pure amount of space between our players. Mm. It was the first time this season that the spacing mm. has been all wrong. And you had Eddie, who was pretty static centrally, and then you had Martinelli and Saka, who were so wide. And there was all of that space in between. And we really, really just didn't ever plug it. We didn't get into it. We didn't use it. And I think Trossard would probably help us do that in that case. That being said, I've got no problem if Nketiah does come back in. I, I, I think he's, you know, he's done well since he's been in. It probably was the right time to give him a little break, but I've got no issues with whichever one of them plays on on Wednesday night. I think they're either one of them uh, good enough to do a to do a proper job on. And I that. think I think they'll be out without Calvin Lewin, who I, you know, oh, really? yeah, jury's yeah. out. Yeah, I, don't, I think he'll be out as well, and I think he caused us a bit of issues in the air, and you know what he's like. He's he's quite a robust player, so. It's Mo Mopai, the the fantastic Mopai. Um, so oh, great! Uh, Can't wait to see ninety yeah. minutes of him. But, yeah. Um, so uh, Calvert Lewin is he injured again? I, he had an he he was injured for the game they just had. So there is strong speculation he won't be ready for this game. Jesus Christ! That that guy is uh, <laughs> he's just never fit. I mean, two years no, he's, he's being linked to the. He's big like movement. Martial Martial from uh, Man United. Like, yeah, he it's... can never have a string of games. No, no, it's it's crazy, and I mean it's a shame for him because he's he's not a bad player. I mean, I used to I used to call him the uh, Everton Shola Amiobi, which is a little bit unkind, <laughs> but <laughs> but he kind of reminded me of that. But he was, you know, he's he's an all right player, but he's uh, them injuries, man. You you get a run of them injuries. I mean, we've seen it down the years with so many players. Yeah. You get you get yeah. them injuries, and it it just kills you. You know, we saw the the Abu Dhabi was obviously one of the biggest ones. And, Kieran Gibbs was a, another Edwarda. one who just yeah, and then them injuries, and when you keep getting them and keep getting them, you never get a run in the team. We you know we had it with Ox and Ramsey as well, where you you just couldn't get a get a run in the team, and it, it looks like his career is going that way, and it is a shame, but not yeah. a shame for Wednesday because I've got I've got to say I'd rather see Mope out there. It, it, it will be it. nice to finally like you you mentioned it at the beginning but it would be nice to finally say that there's not this game in hand anymore i'm i'm tired of that game in hand i just want the points now so if we could just get that out of the way then we have the points i just want to say that i want to rule man united out for good i want to make sure that we're five points clear of city so we'll be good to just win this game and have that so we don't mention the game in hand anymore yeah i'm with the our... game the game in hand's getting annoying yeah yeah, I do think our, our chances are, are quite a bit higher without uh, Calvert-Lewin as well. Um, you know, Mape's really good. At home. At, yeah, at home. Mape's really good mm -hmm. at, you know, getting under defender's skin. But is as an outlet, uh, you know, as a, as a goal scorer, he's shit. Yeah, he's, he's, he's shit. shit. So, so I really do feel is. a lot better about that. Yep. Yeah, I, I, it's obviously going to – it's obviously a massive boost if, if, if Calvert-Lewin's out. I – I don't know. It's just a game that I, I really think we should be winning this and winning this one comfortably. We're, yeah, you know, we we did we we played well enough with the ball at the weekend. We played very well without the ball. I thought organisationally at the weekend we were excellent, and that was a big difference from from that little run we had against Brentford and and, and Everton where we weren't good without the ball. So I think it's, you know if we've got that coming back, I think we I think we should be fine. Um, 
Jorginho or Party? Who starts? Mm. Uh, good question. What do you think, Just? I think if if Party is fit to go, you know, 70, 80 minutes, that he'll start. But and and don't get me wrong, Jorginho's been uh good, better than I thought he'd be. Um, but I think Mikel's respect for him is higher than my own. So I really don't, you know, I mean, it could go either way. I'd prefer to see Partey though. Yeah, I mean, he's Jorginho's Passy's new favorite player. So I'm guessing Pass wants to see Jorginho. <laughs> That's because I don't hate him. <laughs> no, it, he's not. Look, look, listen, I don't, I don't, I, I'm not masking the fact that Party is a better player than him. And I think, Gab, you're right. He's better defensively than him. But I think Jorginho's positioning is good. I think his experience is good. I, I again, was the same as Justin and you when they said that we were linked to him. I was like, oh, my God, another Chelsea reject. But um, to to be fair to him, I don't think he's come in and done, you know, offence to the guy, but he's done a Sammy Laconga where he's just been all over the place, doesn't know his position. He knows his position. He's experienced. I think he's definitely a player that you can put in against a Bournemouth at home or a team, a lesser team. I would not want to see him against City again. I wouldn't want to see him against Liverpool. Um, but it is good to know that we can have a player that comes in and is not derisory bad in that you look at him and you think, where is he going? What is he doing? He has a good pass on him. So I I, I think I, I, I think Party would be a better option just purely because of his physicality as well. I think they've got quite a strong midfield, you know, that Onana's in there. And I think he would be a bit better to handle that. And then I wouldn't see a problem with Jorginho playing against Bournemouth if Party needs his rest because we all know he's always uh, an injury away from um, a muscle injury away um, from something, you know? Yeah, you, you hit on two points there, actually, that I was that I was already thinking. Um, the first one is that Everton midfield, we got beasted at Goodison yeah. by that midfield. Absolutely beasted. And that that's one of the reasons I kind of feel like maybe Arteta's gonna gonna lean towards Partey just for the for the physicality. Mm. Um and also you said about keeping him fit when he's got hamstrings made of paper mache. And we've yeah. got big games coming up. Do you know what I mean? Like we've got yeah. at the end of this run, we've got the Liverpool to Chelsea game. He needs to be firing going into those games. So I do yeah. think there may be a chance that we do see him perhaps get a day off or at least an hour off with a Bournemouth game, the Leeds game. You know, I I think there's games coming up where we and and you know I'm against rotation. I, I am not a big fan of rotation. I think these top players need to be playing every game. That cannot possibly apply to Thomas Pye. It just can't. No. He's just not no. capable of doing it. Um so I do think if he starts Wednesday night, he won't start at the weekend. I think he only starts one of those two games. And I do think that that Everton midfield, the physicality might push Arteta towards starting him there. Would you um, would you also say the same in some respects applies to Zinchenko? Um, in that we know that he's had injury issues and, and he's obviously been pivotal for us. Would there be, I, I know you're not, a hundred percent convinced with Tierney in this system, and and I'm I'm with you on that. We well, got Tommy but... Asu as well. It, I, I personally, yeah. I don't think it would be Tierney if if Zinchenko was was yeah, that way. Yeah, I don't he, think it he would be to Tierney. like Tommy Asu. I, I think it would yeah, be Tommy Yeah, he didn't Tommy even put Asu. him on. 
Yeah, so, you're right. I, you know, I think that's yeah. that's kind of that's just how it is. Our backup left back is not Kieran Tierney; it's Tommy Asu. Mm. Kieran Tierney mm. played because Tommy Asu had to play at right back against Man City in the cup. He didn't play because he's you know second choice there. He's not Tommy Asu. Is but I could see. I think there's definitely a um, to answer the question. I definitely think there's a. I definitely think there's a there's good reasoning behind it to give Zinchenko a rest at some point. I don't see it maybe being, Bournemouth. Yeah, I don't see it being Wednesday. And Arteta seems to have Arteta clearly this season has had no faith in party's body, right? Like he he's he's been absolutely absent from every cup game. Um it, it's been an intentional thing to not play Partey twice a week. It, it it's been an intentional thing. With Zinchenko, I I don't know. I mean, and maybe I'm wrong because I'm going by feeling here. I'm not actually got the numbers in front of me, but it does seem like if Zinchenko is fit, Zinchenko plays. Whereas mm. with Partey, it's it's kind of there's always the feeling about the strain on the body, and and I don't know why because Zinchenko had a he had an injury past when he signed for us. We knew he had that injury past at, at Man City um, where he didn't play. He couldn't play every game, so I don't know why you would expect that he could now. We've already seen him out for a while this season. But Arteta seems to seems to keep rolling him rolling him out there anyway. Juz, can you see Zinchenko coming out at any point over the next few weeks? I definitely don't see it against Everton. Um, I think with the 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 domination, uh, well, might be too strong of a word, but Everton's midfield had the better of ours in the the last game, and I think uh, with the way he he tucks in helps out in midfield, I think uh, we'd be kind of crazy to go with the. A different option. Bournemouth, though, maybe. Um, I tend to lean more with what you're saying, though, that, you know, if he's fit, he's 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 going to play. I think he's just too important to the way we play. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he got a rest in the Europa League. I think the Europa League, the Europa League might actually be a thinner team than we've got used to with Arteta. I think at this point, because when does it start up again? What we got? We got two weeks or three weeks? Next Thursday. Yeah, no, it's next, next Thursday. Day. Next Thursday. Okay, so we've got two league games. So I I just think that maybe we'll see a little bit more rotation than we're used to from Arteta with that, especially if we win the next two games, because the league is so close now. It's so close. And at the end of the day, Sporting Lisbon, is, it's not a bad draw. You know, we, we there, there were worse draws out there. It's a nice trip too. Uh, you know, you're only on a, a short little hour and 45, two hour flight mm. to to Portugal. That could have been far worse. I saw someone say that the best draw we could have was Shakhtar. Uh, in what world? <laughs> in yeah. what world do you want the four hour not flight? Not for traveling, no. It's, you know, no. because they're not even, I mean, I know they're not playing at home at the minute, right? They're, they're, actually, they're actually playing somewhere else because they're not in the nets because of the fighting. But it's, I, I just don't see why you would ever want that ever want that trip that's that's madness yeah it's a a good trip yeah it is I think sporting was a was a good draw and and you know let's be fair we've got we've now got 15 players 16 players I would guess that can be trusted um Mm. ESR needs some needs some minutes too so I I think we might see a little bit more rotation than we've been used to I'm, I'm interested to see in that just to go off on a tangent on towards Europa League for a second but I'm interested to see if uh, Matt Turner plays in that because, you know, yeah. it's got to been promised that he's the cup goalkeeper, but Arteta has a history of as soon as you get in the knockout rounds, boy, my, my proper goalkeeper's coming out now. So I'm, I am interested mm. to see that. And I I kind of hope 
Turner gets you know gets the game. I, I don't mind him. I don't no, mind I, him. I think he's been okay when he's and, been and he's got better, right? Every time he's played, yeah. he's got better. Yeah. So I kind of yeah. I kind of do hope he gets a he gets a chance in that. Now come back to me again if we get to the final against Man United and ask me ask me that again. Yeah. But as of right now, I'm I'm hoping Turner gets a gets a little run in them games. So the confidence level for uh, for Everton, I'm I I'm actually very confident about this one. I've got to say, I think we're mm. uh, I, I I think we'll we'll tuck them away with with ease, despite what went on, or maybe even because of what went on up there. I mean, they've been absolute dog shit since that game, which is surprise. I know it's just it's <laughs> maddening, isn't it? It, it really. I, I'm worried about Chelsea being the same. You know, I, I always look at these games. I look at. I just want Potter to win a game, please. Just win a few. Just stay in the job until we play you, and then whatever after that. But yeah, they'll they'll sack will, him yeah. and bring in Mourinho or something just before. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think where where are you at confidence wise, Josh? Uh, I'm I'm a little iffy on this one. Maybe it's just the uh, you know, how the the last one went. Um, I I've been confident going into pretty much every game this season. And you know maybe it's just because it was it was so recent the last Everton game. Olivia on this one. Yeah, it's know, still raw, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I know. I know the guys can do it if we have a good game. I know we're superior. You know, pretty much everywhere, all over the pitch. Uh, but yeah, it's just it's just got me feeling a little nervous about this one. Yeah. Well, let's hope we uh, let's hope we can pull this off because this you know we've been saying about this game in hand, this game now. We were talking, we're all bored of hearing about it, so. Now we've got to go out and, and get it done, get them points on the board and, and let's move on. Uh, I was going through, you know, you know my thing with my my big W's, my 13 W's became 12 last weekend. So I'm happy. Just keep keep ticking them off. 12, 12 wins to go. And hopefully we can uh, make that 11 on Wednesday and then nine on Saturday because hopefully City will get beat as well. That'd be, yeah. that'd be great. So we just got to, just got to keep ticking along and ticking over. Um do a little bit of uh, of loan watch. So uh, everybody see Marquinhos scored and got an assist on his debut for Norwich. Mm-hmm. So that's that's yeah. pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good going. And uh, what else has been going on, Jazz? You you got any other any other loan updates for us? Uh, it's been a little quiet, other than uh, Marquinhos. Um... Patino, he didn't start for Blackpool in their last game. And I, I sorry, you, you, you caught me by surprise. I would have oh, had oh, That's my fault. I should have given you a bit of warning about that. I, I can move on another one if you want. I know uh, Aziz hasn't been playing for Wigan. Um, and this this looks like a make or break thing. I, I, I don't expect Aziz to be an Arsenal player next season. No, he was I. really highly rated at one point, And it's just not, you know, it's just not panned out for him with any of these loans. And I think we're getting into the point where he's got a year left on his deal. So I, I expect him to to leave. He was obviously loaned out to Wigan while Colo Torre was there, and Torre's now gone. So I, I don't see that one. I don't see that one lasting. And I saw um, did uh, did Balogun play? Balogun's played another game since, right? He didn't score though. Is that right? Right. Yeah. He he played. Um, started. Um, by all accounts, had a had a pretty good game. But yeah, didn't get on the score sheet. Didn't assist. But um, you know he. Well, I don't want to say just him. You know, obviously, but. Uh, they're they're moving on up the table. I think last time I checked, they were in like eleventh or tenth, which is um, oh they're they're on fire. I looked yeah. at their uh, I saw their record since Will Steele took over, and mm-hmm. it was something outrageous. Like they're like eleven unbeaten and they've won seven out of eleven. It's it's a it's a crazy record they've got recently. They're they're absolutely on fire. 
Yeah, it really is. And I just, I love the, the, you know, Will Stills story so much, you know, it's really interesting. It's like every one of our dreams, he's just yeah. out there living it, you know? Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. And I, I did read as well, I don't know if you saw the quotes from the, uh, the I don't even know how to pronounce them because it looks like Reams, but it's not Reams. But it, the the chairman was uh, asked about Balogun and the, the possibility of him staying there. And he said, there's a, he said, there's absolutely no chance we can sign him permanently. We would like to have him for another year if Arsenal will let us. But I think it's going to be on to better things, whether that's at Arsenal or another top club. So mm-hmm. I thought they were, uh, that was interesting comments. And I think he's, it, it's got a touch of the Salibas about it, this loan, I think in, in like, I could see, I could see him coming back and then going out on loan again to a bigger club like a Marseille or maybe even, maybe even like a fire Nord. Do you know what I mean? Like a top of the table in one of the, in one of the bigger leagues, um, one of the, one of the big five leagues in Europe. I, I don't see him staying with Reims. Yeah. I think there's a bit of benefit to it though, at the same time, just because he's already basically nailed on. He's important to them. He's comfortable. Um, I wouldn't sometimes though, it. I think sometimes though, I think with these, with the, the younger players, it's not a bad idea to take them out of that comfort zone. Do you know what I mean? Because you're yeah. getting used to different scenarios and you, it's kind of goes unnoticed that Balogun is actually older than Bukayo Saka. Yep. And it's, it goes unnoticed that, and he, he, you know, he had such a good reputation from a youngster and he kind of stalled a little bit and he's loan at Borough. One of my good mates is a Borough fan and um, he, he liked him when he was at Borough, but he, he didn't score a ton. It wasn't like this. It wasn't like this loan. Right. And I think that, I think that sometimes it, you need that. The championship obviously helped him grow up a little bit and led him to where he is now. And I just think maybe it's time for the time for the next step. I don't see it being a championship loan. I don't see it being a loan to a another lower club. I think it's going to be a, a top club that he goes I'd to. Lo- I'd love to see him in the Prem personally. Uh, I'm, I don't necessarily think that's that's the next destination, but I'd love to see it, you know, maybe a newly promoted side or, or, or someone like that, uh, you know, just to see if he can perform like he has been in, in Liga, uh, you know, in the Prem. But, you know, I'm, I'm with you. I think uh, maybe a higher club in France wouldn't be a bad shout or, um, y- you know, so, somewhere yeah, else. Like, like a Marseille, basically, like, yeah, like yeah. what we did with Saliba. So yeah. I see that. And the only other thing touching on, not alone, but for the under-21s tonight, um, ESR got 45 minutes and Kivior got 45 minutes. And apparently from what I read, I didn't see the game, but Kivior apparently was excellent. Um, did you did you read about that? I did, yeah. Yeah, he said apparently he was very classy on the ball and, and he didn't put a foot wrong. So that that sounds promising. What do you think that means for um, uh, the Everton game? Well, with regards to Smith Rowe more than uh, Kivior, but... Yeah, I was, I was thinking that. I mean, I, you know, part of you says, well, he only played 45 minutes, so, you know, are they going to try and give him some minutes there? And then part of me thinks, well, that's quite a quick turnaround. Yep. So I, I'm really not sure. I'm not sure at this point where we see ESR next. Like, I wasn't expecting him to come on on Saturday. Um, and to be quite honest with you, I don't, I don't really see him coming on on Wednesday either. So at some point, if he's going to be useful in the running, we've got to figure out where we are going to where we're going to get him get him on the pitch. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I agree. You think that you know we talked about this run and and you know we've got these these games coming up and maybe we see Zinchenko come out for a game. Maybe this is that when we can put ESR back in somewhere like Bournemouth or Leeds at home. 
Yeah, possibly. Um, <clears throat> or the Europa League. I think, like you mentioned, I think Europa League probably is where I could see him starting, um, if not having some part to play. Um, <clears throat> but um, it is a tough one, isn't it? Because we've got the we've got the left more or less sorted, so to speak, unless you have Trossard in the middle. Um, but if you're just talking on the left hand side with Nketiah in the middle, then you you've got your two left sided players. Now I I don't you might be more familiar than me, but have has he played on the right at all? I've I mean yeah. I've not seen him on the right for us. I've seen him in the ten. No, I can't we don't remember. Really play anymore. I've seen him in the false nine, and I've seen him out on the left, and we've seen him a little bit in that left sided eight. And that is that's interesting, right? Where he's possibly Odegaard coming on as a sub for Odegaard, maybe because I know he did play the number ten. You know yeah. when he first came in. Yeah, it's um, it's definitely interesting to see where he fits in because he's he's kind of right now the face that doesn't fit. And uh, I mean, and this is mm. crazy from twelve months ago when he was, uh, you know, just our most important player. He was he was our second top scorer. Um, but it's it's really the the injuries have ob- are obviously a massive setback. But we've come on so much as a team during that time that he must be looking around now and thinking, huh. This could be a bit of problems. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Because he's now got to got to get back in to a team that's absolutely flying. Just we've talked about it before. We've talked about the possibility of losing him. I, I I kind of feel like I don't feel that this is a make or break six months, but I do have a feeling it might be a make or break eighteen months. Do you know what I mean? Do you? Where can he fit in? I mean, we 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 seem to be talking about this all the time, but but where can we get him in? Well, so this this is kind of uh, what I've been thinking about. So um, we've seen Arteta make the strategic move to start giving Vieira kind of endgame minutes in, in the left eight. And to me, it seems like, um, you know, he he's preparing for something in the future. And I, I believe we've hit on that recently in one of the pods as well, um, that maybe the future of this 4-3-3 is, is, you know, two attacking eights and not, you know, like kind of the Jaka role, right? I'm just curious, and I think uh, an area to watch is once Smith Rowe is back and he's completely fit, I wonder if he's going to jump ahead of Vieira there in that eight, or if, because, um, I mean, when you think about it, for, for Saka, we've seen Vieira come in as the right this, wing for Saka. We've not this seen was going to be what I was going to say. It actually, that, that would make more sense because mm-hmm. Vieira is probably more suited to the right-hand side Smith Rowe isn't there at the minute. Vieira is coming on for Shaka most games, but ESR isn't there as an option. So I do wonder if that will be what happens with him at the at the end of the day, and Vieira covers more that right side because Vieira can cover both of those positions, Saka and Odegaard. And sometimes, you know, we all get obsessed with this two player for each position thing, and I'm. I, Personally, I don't think that it's a it's a viable strategy. I just don't think you can do that. I think you're better off having a squad of 16, 17 players with players that can come in in a couple of different positions. Now, that's something that Arteta doesn't really seem to seem to want to do. Do you know what I mean? Like he's he, he doesn't seem to like doing that. But from a squad management point of view, doesn't that seem like the easier way to go about it, Paz, when you've got more chances to play someone so Vieira's got two positions he can come in in rather than one yeah yeah it, it opens it up a bit I think with Smith Rowe the way I look at it is that um, it, it is really at the moment we can 
hypothesize about where he might be or where he might go, but he just doesn't have any consistency in his injury in, in his um, fitness. So I think it's really difficult to even have that conversation because I've not, I don't remember him having a sequence of games where he's just not injured for some reason. Uh, I think that's the first thing. I think once we see a little bit more consistency on that front, um, it, he's he's a player that can. But I think what you mentioned as well is he scores goals. Yes, I think that's going to be really important for us because there are times where, you know, as you know, our centre forwards, our number nines, can go through goal droughts. They're not prolific. Um, he is someone who can come off the bench. He can score goals. I remember that ridiculous run that he had where he was still slightly injured and he would just come off the bench and get a goal in like every yeah, sub like appearance he made five or six games in a row or something he come off the yeah, bench yeah he's nuts so that's not that's definitely something really really useful for us as to where he'll be i just don't i i think it's difficult to really have an idea until he gets himself a run of games and gets more involved in the team because i think what we see with um arteta he runs a meritocracy if you're good and you're showing you're good, he, he will find a way to get you in that team because there's always an injury or there's a bad performance by one player and he will then see his chance. I don't think it'll be difficult for him to get back in if he shows consistency in his fitness and shows performance to match that um, because he was someone Arteta trusted implicitly um, before, obviously, um, his injury and everything. So, um I think it's firstly coming down to that because I don't, I can't remember him. I think it was only, was it the season? I mean, maybe you could say um, last season, perhaps the first half of last season, he yeah, did go he through running games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Until, he, until he got injured. I mean, you know, you, 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 yeah. you, you're injury prone until you're not, right? That's that's yeah. kind, of, that's just kind of how it is. But let's not yeah. forget either, though, that this uh, this groin issue that he's been dealing with, uh, that's plagued him since the uh, Leipzig, the Leipzig mm. loan. Um, and he had mm. surgery to that, uh, hopefully. So I, I'm actually expecting uh, a lot more time on the pitch once he's fit this time. Well, he's a big boy, too. I mean, people, he's six foot one. It, yeah. It's not, yeah. you know, he's not small and he's, he's had growth spurts and Steven Gerrard had this when he was, when he was young too. I think he was earlier, he was like 18, 19, but he missed a lot of games for a while when he first came mm. into the team. And there was uh, I remember the newspaper story, they were away. I can't remember whether it, what it was, it was the Europa League, UEFA Cup, whatever it was called back then. And there was, they were on a flight to Eastern Europe and he had to spend the entirety of the flight laying down in the aisle because he couldn't sit in the seat because it was aggravating his hips and his back because he was in the middle of a growth spurt. So this stuff happens. And I, I hope we've, I hope with Smith Rowe, that's all it is because what we've got right now, and we haven't seen this for a long time. Um, we, we haven't seen this. I don't think since the mid two thousands, we've got impact players, right? We've got, you said about pass about Smith Rowe being a goal scorer. So is Trosser. Mm. So is Martinelli. Mm. So is Saka. We have mm. impact players and they can impact the game off the bench. And we haven't had that for a long time. And it would be really nice to have another another weapon like that. And I think Bruno, uh, Bruno, uh, I think Fabio Vieira is in that category too. And the reason I said Bruno is because it got me thinking. I said to, I think I said it's you pass on Sunday that Bruno Fernandes reminds me a bit like Theo Walcott, right? He looks rubbish half the time. 
you're going to get to the end of the season and you're going to go, well, what did, what did Bruno Fernandes do? And you look down and the fuckers scored 15 goals and got 10 assists. And you're like, <laughs> how, did, how did that happen? Like, I watch him, he can't mm. pass the ball two yards. How's that happened? And I'm not saying that Vieira can't pass the ball two yards, but I get the feeling that Vieira is going to be a similar mould to that, to what Fernandez is, where you're going to go through spells where you're really not going to notice him and you're going to get to the end of the season and you're going to look at the stat sheet and you're going to go, Jesus Christ, he's in double figures for goals and mm-hmm. he's got eight assists. Where did that come from? Do you know what I mean? He's just got that yeah. impact impact thing about it. Jazz, I know you're 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 a big fan of a big fan of him, but do you am I being unfair or do you kind of see him that way? I just think he's just a he's just an impact player. No, yeah, absolutely. I don't have the uh, stats in front of me, but he did what wasn't it like seven goals and thirteen assists in half a season uh before he left Portugal? Yeah, and, and that's uh, that's what I mean. It just the numbers are, and you can't argue with you can't argue with numbers, right? I always used to say, you know, I was never a huge Theo Walcott fan. And I always used to used to get the arse when people used these statistics because a lot of them were like two goals at the end of a five-nil win and stuff. Like his goals rarely counted. With Vieira, a lot of his contributions do count. You know, you had the second half at Oxford where he where he pulled out the assists. So a lot of them do count. He does do it in the big moments. So hopefully we can see we can see some more of that because like I said these these impact players are just going to be so important to us between now and the end of the season. Uh, mm. You know, we, there's going to be games that it's going to get tight, right? Squeaky bum time, as they say. It's mm-hmm. it's going to get tight. It's gonna it's gonna happen. So I think the more players we get like that, the the better off we are. Basically, you can't have too many of them impact players in a team. Um, the only other thing I want to touch on real quick is the form of Granite Xhaka, who I have defended to the hilt forever. And the last few games have definitely, definitely been a bit off for him. I don't think it's going to happen, certainly not against Everton, but we've again been talking about players coming in and out. Do you think maybe Vieira gets a start over Xhaka? Because I think it's going to come. Charles? Uh Agreed. I don't see it happening Uh against Everton, but yeah, maybe, maybe Bournemouth or someone like that, uh, a, a team that we think we're going to, you know, keep most of the ball and, and have a, you know, a lot more attacking impetus. I could absolutely see him coming in for, uh, for, for Xhaka there, or maybe even Smith Rowe, you know, if he's, if he's ready, which I mean, he probably isn't, but I think uh, Xhaka would benefit from maybe sitting or two um, and, you know, giving uh, someone like Vieira a start from the beginning to, to, earn his spot yeah I, I think that'll happen too okay lads well we're coming to the end now so let's do uh let's finish off our game pass seeing as you uh seeing as you think you know the answer so i'll just run through it again um he started at if bromopoikana then moved to ogreet then to young boys in switzerland then to cremonese in italy he then moved over to the arsenal went from arsenal to everton birmingham aik Colorado Rapids, your gardens, and back to Bromapokana. So, Pass, tell us who's our mystery man. Uh, I was the Cremonese uh, one, Cremonese one that did it for me because I remember that's where we signed him from. Um, uh, it's the one and only Anders Limpar. That's right, the super Swede. Uh, and if the you... super Swede. I mean, what moments he brought us. It was only 
what was it, three, four seasons, but um, he brought us some great moments, some great yeah. goals. Yeah. Um, was the first, I don't know, just under the Graham era, a really exciting player, wasn't he? Really yeah, I, quick. I, I and... loved him. That that ninety ninety one season is is one of my favorite. Oh, he was ever. electric. That and, first uh, half of the phenomenal. season, yeah, absolutely yeah. phenomenal that year. So yeah, wonderful. Well, well done. So you got me that time. I'll, I'll get you. I'll get you next time. Try you got me. Try get me. I had no idea. Who, yeah. who would it be for uh, Bournemouth though, Gav? Who are you going to think I of might for have Bournemouth? To go, I said to Charles before, I might have to go back to the thirties or something. That's going to be uh, <laughs> going to be a fun one. Jack Wilshalone. Uh, yeah, Jack. Yeah. Well, I can't do that now because you've already said it. So can we stop doing that? <laughs> All right, guys. Well, let's let's leave it there and remember everyone listening. I've got the. Uh, We've got everything out on there. We'll be posting it on the socials. So uh, so go and answer it on the socials, obviously, before we answer it so that we know you're not cheating because we don't like we don't like cheats. So don't Google it because if you if you Google it, your, your, your laptop will explode. That's how it works. <laughs> so, all right, guys. Well, um, we'll probably be back. Well, we will be back towards the end of the week because we've obviously got the game against Everton and then and then Bournemouth. So we'll do uh, we'll do an Everton recap and a Bournemouth preview on a Thursday or Friday. So, all right, lads, I will see you later in a week. Cheers. Cheers, Gav. Bye, Bye, Gav. Thank you. Bye-bye.